0: Hello and welcome back after a short break to the next in our series of podcasts from Together for Families. My name is Jamie Reed. On this episode, we're going to talk with Caroline about the support you can give your children to help them develop their reading and writing. We'll also talk with Kira about planning a celebration or an event for a young person with learning difficulties. But first, we're joined by a number of our team to discover more about family conferences and what exactly they are.
1: A family group conference, also known as an FGC, is a meeting which gives families an opportunity to make a plan about their future. It empowers them to have a say about how they can support one another and the children or young people they love and care for. The family work together in the conference to find solutions to resolve their situation or concerns that other professionals may have. FGCs are unique and different to other meetings because the main decision makers in the development of a plan are the family themselves.
2: So why would someone want a family group conference? Well, if your family is experiencing a situation that's too difficult for them to sort out without support, and and FGC could be suitable for you, it gives your family the opportunity to come together in a safe and neutral space with the support of an independent coordinator to make a plan. And lots of things can be discussed at a family group conference. For example, contact between children and certain family members, communication between adults, creating consistent boundaries, routines, expectations in family homes. Family group conferences are an opportunity for families to identify the support that they can give to one another. Who comes to a family group conference?
3: Okay, so the referrer. This might be the social worker or family worker or other professional working with you. The family group conference coordinator will also attend and facilitate the meeting. Then you and your family can decide who attends the FGC. This could be parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, cousins, a close family friend or a neighbour. We've even had a dog attend. The children may wish to attend. You'll hear a little bit more about this in a minute. This is a family meeting, so it's not usual to have other professionals attend, but if you feel they can support your family, then we can certainly look at this. So what does the coordinator do? Are they a mediator? Each family is allocated an
1: independent FGC coordinator whose job is to contact and meet all of the family members and young people who will be involved in the meeting. The coordinator will share the matters for discussion with each family member when they meet them. This helps people to think of ideas and solutions before the day of the conference. The coordinator organises the meeting and sends out all of the invitations, letters, and plans to each family member. The coordinator is not a mediator. The coordinator is a neutral person who is there to assist with the meeting running smoothly. They are not involved with your family in any way and do not have a say about what happens. They are there to make sure that everyone who wants to can attend and feel as comfortable as possible.
3: So can you talk me through exactly what
2: happens at a family group conference? Yeah, sure. The coordinator welcomes everyone into the meeting and provides drinks and snacks. People are introduced to each other if they haven't already met. And then there are three stages to the rest of the meeting. The first part is information sharing. This is when the referrer explains why they made the referral or any concerns they may have. And they'll describe anything that can't be agreed on as part of the family plan, maybe for safety reasons. Families then have a chance to ask the referrer any questions. Then the coordinator will go through the agenda, which we call the matters for discussion, before they and the referrer leave the family for private family time. And that's the second stage of the meeting. A family is left to discuss and create a plan in private to go through the matters for discussion. Private family time can last however long you need, and families can take regular comfort and refreshment breaks. The coordinator will be close by all the time in case there are problems or issues. And the coordinator and the referrer come back into the room when the family have finished their discussions. And then the final stage is the sharing of the plan. The family feed their plan back to the referrer for it to be agreed and commented on. A review date may also be discussed before the meeting ends. And the coordinator will type up the plan and send it to every family member, either by email or through the post.
4: And what part do children play in the family group conference? Can someone help a child to speak their wishes and feelings?
3: Yes, one of the most important parts of an FGC is for the children and young people to have an opportunity to voice their thoughts and wishes. They can attend all or part of the meeting or choose not to attend at all. They can voice their views independently or through an advocate. An advocate can be used for a child or an adult to help their voice be heard. The family group conference coordinator works with the family to identify a suitable advocate. An advocate's role is purely to represent and share the views of a particular person. They do not contribute to the family plan and are not part of the private family time. A child or young person and their advocate can have time during the family group conference to speak privately.
4: Where and when will the family group conference be?
1: Family group conferences take place in family friendly venues such as family hubs or community spaces such as village halls. The coordinator works with the family to identify a suitable venue, time and day for the meeting. FGCs can take place during evenings or weekends if required to suit the needs of a family. What will be
2: expected from each family member? Well, each family member may take a different role in the meeting. For example, someone may write the plan whilst others will help find solutions to the matters for discussion. Family members are asked to bring the ideas to their meeting so that the best plan possible can be made. It's important to say, though, an FTC is voluntary. So if this doesn't feel like the right time for you and your family, you can withdraw your consent at any time. If you do decide to go ahead with an FGC, you'd be expected to attend the meeting and contribute to the family plan. What will happen if people don't get on?
3: Okay, so the coordinator is there to make sure everything runs smoothly. If there is conflict in your family, then the coordinator will talk to everyone before the meeting to see how things can best be managed. You can take breaks during the meeting and use a breakout space. The coordinator is there all the time to talk to if needed. There's always an option of having an FGC in separate rooms if people really can't get on at all. And people can also be called in to the meeting on a phone or using Microsoft Teams. Adults can also be supported by an advocate if needed.
4: How many meetings will there be?
1: After the FGC, there is an opportunity for a review meeting between one and three months later. The review meeting is a chance for the family to reflect on their plan and make any changes. The coordinator then types up the new plan and sends it to the family. In certain circumstances, a second review meeting may also be beneficial.
0: Now, don't forget, if you've been affected by anything we've been discussing in today's podcast, please visit supportingcornwall.org.uk for more information and advice. Next up, let's talk celebrations.
5: Hello, my name is Kyra and I'm a in worker in Cornwall. This podcast is about making celebrations and similar events easier for the children with additional needs and or anxiety. Did you know? Celebrations can be an enjoyable time with a little forward planning. So how can we best prepare our young people and families? Firstly, we can talk about what is going to happen, who they may see, what event celebration you may be going to and a summary of the event. So think about who will be there where it will be, how you will get there, noises and smells, possible textures, anything you know could be a trigger for your child. You may choose to use photographs, visuals, prompts, timetables or your social script to tell your child what may happen. For example, a family party. There may be lots of unfamiliar people, smells, shiny decorations, balloons, twinkly lights and loud music, which may cause sensory overload. You could plan it in advance, a possible timetable of a day. You could ask your host if there would be a quiet space to use. Food could be a trigger, especially if it's unfamiliar. Most people may cater for the dietary needs if they're aware of it in advance. Maybe you could ask if you could provide your child's food, and if possible, for them to be seated at the end of a table, so they have more space. Birthdays can be overwhelming to children, especially when they're faced with a number of presents and unwrapping them in front of other people. The texture and sound of the paper could be a sensory overload. Consider how else you could wrap them, maybe in clear cellophane, so they can see what they're getting, and using gift bags, limiting the number of presents to be opened at one time. Think about gift tags which clearly show what is inside the parcel, so the child knows what to expect. Children can become overwhelmed and don't know what to say. Maybe have some prompt cards already written so the child can use these when thanking people. Children's parties could be based around what your child enjoys. Maybe it would be helpful to keep them small. Allow them to help plan the party so it's familiar to them and they are able to understand and feel more in control of the situation. School events and plays. Find out from your class teacher what they have planned, and how you can support your child in preparation, and possibly at the event itself. Presently, due to all the restrictions, schools and other groups are doing virtual and videoing of events. Maybe your child could be videoed separately and edited in at a later stage. At other events, our homes are filled with new shiny decorations, smells, visuals, textures, These changes can mean that rooms can suddenly seem unfamiliar and challenging. By involving your young person in the decoration process, they can begin to know what to expect. They could make a plan of what is going where. Would an artificial tree be better than a real one, for example, at Christmas? Stack it, rather than twinkling lights, maybe on a timer, to have a space where a room is undecorated. Most children like to feel they have a sense of ownership about their environment and occasions they may be involved in. It can also increase their sense of self-esteem and confidence. In addition, think about when you're out and about and the changes that may be happening. Maybe shops are filled with decorations and themed music, people's houses decorated outside. You can talk about what it may look like, again, The use of social scripts and stories may help to prepare your child for those changes and things may seem less scary. Large family dinners at times of celebrations are often served at different times to our normal routines. Tables are decorated. Larger numbers of people. Children may be easily overwhelmed. It may be helpful to involve them. Again, social scripts about what dinner will look like and who will be sitting where can be a useful strategy. Your child may choose to sit at a separate table or their normal place. If they have challenges with certain food types, let them choose their own special dinner and this may support them to be able to take part and enjoy the occasion. If your child is prepared for what is going to happen, they are more likely to be calmer and you will be able to enjoy the day and the special occasions too. So the takeaway top tip from this session is forward plan involving your young person think about alternative ways to allow your young person to enjoy vacation use social scripts and stories thank you for listening goodbye good luck and have fun
0: thanks to kira for that now we can all play a vital role in helping our children to read and write but what is the best way to do it caroline has the details
4: Today we're going to look at supporting our children's learning from birth. Hopefully together we can discover the everyday things you can do to help your little one prepare for an early years setting, school or home learning. But before we start, I have a did you know fact. The People website says that what adults do with their young children is more important than their social class, educational background or where they live. Research has shown this. What parents do at home with their children also shows to have a positive effect on the child's GCSEs. From the moment they are born, babies are learning and trying to make sense of the world. Millions of neurons in the brain start firing and joining together to make pathways which help them learn. By interacting with your baby from birth, so singing songs, reading and responding to them, They will start to learn language and lots of other things too. You can have all the toys in the world, but without you, babies and young children won't learn much. You are their best toy. Before we look at the different ways we can help our children learn, we first need to look at two really important things, praise and role modelling. Children who see their parents or carers read and write are more likely to read and write for pleasure themselves. They will copy you and what you do, whether that's the things you want them to do or the things you may not want them to copy. If you play and interact with your child, they are more likely to join in the play. Children love to please and they love attention. Giving praise really boosts their confidence and they will repeat any behaviours noticed. Keep praising and you will see any behaviour you notice happen more regularly, hopefully. So let's look at supporting your child's reading. As mentioned, we can start to read to babies from birth. They will love the sound of your voice. They really love bright, colourful pictures too. Some parents may feel their reading is not good enough and they cannot read to their child. However, you can talk about the pictures. Your child will love this. Learning to read is not just reading words. It's about knowing how to hold a book, how to turn pages, knowing that pictures are pictures and words carry meaning. And this is all they need to know before they go to school. Some parents feel the birth of their child is the ideal time to improve their reading skills. If you're interested in this, please contact your link into Learning Centre and they can help you find the right way for you. Reading isn't just for books. Words and letters are all around us. Road signs, number plates, magazines, on lists, everywhere. This is called environmental print. A really important part of reading is not in books. It helps us understand the world and live in it. Notice these letters and words when out and about. Children will especially love this if the letters are important to them, like the letters in their name. For example, If you lived on Station Road and your child's name started with an S, they could trace the letter S with their finger or spot how many S's they could find on a walk. Pick a number or a letter and go on a letter or number hunt. Children like to be useful and sometimes shopping trips are so boring for them. Why not involve them? They might want to write a list themselves or you could write a simple short one for them. You can use words, pictures, or make cards with pictures and words on. Can they find the items on their list and cross them off? This will not only give them something to do, but encourage them to look at their lists, even if it is their own squiggles, and look at words and letters around them. Why not collect the logos from packaging, like cereal boxes, and play snap or make Play-Doh letters? There are lots of ideas on the internet, Just let your imagination go wild and have fun. Let's look at writing. Did you know you can help your child's writing skills from when they're a baby? Being able to write requires strength in their body, their arms and their hands. You need to be able to sit steadily and not drag your arm across the table. By doing tummy time, little and often will first strengthen their neck, shoulder and arm muscles Some babies prefer to have tummy time when lying on their grown-up's chest. If your baby prefers this, then great! After this, a baby will hopefully learn to sit. Encouraging your baby to sit up, if they're able, will not only help their body to become strong, but will give their ribs more space to control their breathing and move their tongue to the correct position to help them start to talk. If you want to know more, check out a short video clip by the BBC's Tiny Happy People. Together for Families have shared it on their Facebook page recently. It takes a little while for them to become strong, but they will get there and this will help when they learn to write or mark make. When they are moving about, they may like to climb using their shoulder and arm muscles. Any activity that encourages them to use their arms will help them later on when they learn to write or mark make. This could be waving ribbons, a trip to the play park, digging the garden or at the beach, anything that gets them moving. And lastly, children need to have strong hands. If you were like me, after the summer holidays, my hands used to ache when I went back to school and did lots of writing. Learning to write must feel like this even after a short time. Any activities that help them use their hands, like Play-Doh or building with bricks, will help them build this strength and also help with hand-eye coordination. When a child writes or draws, sometimes it can look to parents like scribbles. If you're not sure what they've drawn, you could say, for example, I love the colour red you've chosen, or wow! I love this, tell me about your picture and this will give the child an opportunity to tell you about the picture. Singing is another way to help children's reading and writing skills. As mentioned in an earlier podcast, it really does not matter if you sound good or not. You could be tone deaf and your child will still love your voice. What songs and rhymes do is help them to listen help them to rhyme the words and introduce them to new words, all really important for reading and writing. Takeaway gems for today. The little things you do can have a huge impact and really help your child to learn. You are the most important teacher your child will ever have. You're amazing. Really believe that and have fun with your child.
0: Don't forget, if you have been affected by anything we've discussed in today's podcast, please visit supportingcormall.org.uk for more information and advice. Until next time, thanks for listening and take care of yourself and each other.